Hey guys, welcome back to part two. If you're yet to listen to part one, I suggest you check it out before you tune in to part two. Enjoy. Uh, did you used to have clients who were not in the United, uh, who are not in UK, or was all of all your clients in London? So my clients used to. I mean, some of them were not from the UK, but. Um, they would always be in the UK when I was working with them because um, they'd be they'd be in the room. They'd come to the office. They'd be in a room with me. Um, whereas now, I think what you're saying is like you know I'm able to work with people who are in different continents. Never mind different countries. Yeah. So now, now that's that, really exciting as yeah, well. Now that now that you're practicing virtual, are you open to working with people all across the the world? Yeah, you can do that, but you, the only thing you have to be careful of is you have to make sure that you know what the ethical guidelines are for each country, because each country has slightly different guidelines. So you have to make sure that you're on top of what that country requires of you. But other than that, as long as your insurance covers you working with people in different countries, then um, it can be really ex- interesting and exciting in terms of learning about different places and races and cultures. Um, oh, yeah. It's really, you know, it's a big thing. So, are you back in practicing in-person therapy, or you're still fifty-fifty or full-on virtual at the moment? I am still full-on virtual. In London, we're only just starting to open up things again. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I'm going to stay virtual for another couple of months because I don't, um, just in case, I'm, I'm not quite sure oh, what's yeah. going to happen. Oh yes, yeah, yes. Again, you gotta make it safe for you and your clients as well. Yeah, exactly. So, but so yeah, I'm staying virtual for a bit longer. All right, and we were also talking about um, you kind of dived in a little bit in the picking the right therapist. So for a person who's already scared about seeing a therapist and doesn't know how to pick the right therapist for for themselves, what what would the best advice in picking a therapy be for you for them? I think, I mean, the most important thing, and this is backed up by research, is that most of the good therapy happens between, it happens in the relationship with your therapist. So you need to be able to feel comfortable with your therapist. You need to be able to be feel open with them. Um, some people prefer, like I'm quite a young therapist, and some people prefer having a younger therapist because they feel like I can identify with being the age that they are or going through what they're going through some people would choose an older therapist because they wanted more of a mum figure so mm-hmm. um or a father figure so you have to have a think about what it is that you're seeking when I was choosing my therapists in the past I would always go for someone who is more of like a mother figure to me um because that's what I felt safe with um so you've got to have a think about what it is that you want in terms of the relationship um but I won't go through it all now, but what I do in, in the book that I've done is I sort of write down all the things that I've explained, all the things mm-hmm. that you should find in, in a therapist and the things that you shouldn't find in a therapist. Because, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of counsellors, therapists, psychotherapists, psychologists, coaches out there oh, at yeah. the moment. <laughs> it's <very> and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not an extremely it's not a very regulated industry. So you have to trust your instincts with what feels right to you you're just because someone is a therapist or a coach or a counselor it doesn't mean that they get it all right or that they know what's best for you um so i would always say to people trust trust your 
trust your instinct with it trust your feelings with it because therapy ultimately is about the relationship coming back around to the beginning points the relationship between you and your therapist and don't be scared to like shop around um your therapist like people therapists are not offended if you have a session with them and then they're like no actually i don't want to do that type of therapy i'm going to try something else you know it's okay to shop around lots of therapists do like free um like over the phone assessment sessions yeah or consultations um so shop around a little bit um I think getting some recommendations from other people who you think are doing well in therapy is also a really, really good idea. Um, but ultimately, it's about how you feel, how comfortable you are, and how open you're able to be with the therapist in question, and making sure that they are boundaryed and containing, and they are good for you. And you're right with when with what you said about therapists are not uh, they don't. <clears throat> they don't feel bad when you shop around because sometimes they would even recommend somebody for you if they feel like you don't feel yeah. like it's the right um uh the right fit for you because they want what's best for you so it's always um that that's very good and i would also want to know as you as a therapy what would be the best tips for a person who's dealing with mental health but not yet ready to 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 um to get into medication or into therapy Um so I mean when we say mental health I think what you mean is that if someone's feeling anxious or depressed or having a problem like an eating disorder or an addiction yes um I, yeah I think the first thing is you know being honest with yourself about it um so say you know if you've got an addiction problem or an anxiety problem and you're hiding it from people or you feel embarrassed to ask for help with it starting to be really honest with yourself about what's going on and what the consequences are um will help you move towards being able to ask for help and remember that asking for help is one of the bravest things that you can do in life we're all sort of like socially congratulated for being self-reliant and sorting things out and not having to not needing people but actually you know we all need people and we all need help and on identifying that the courage the courage that you need to ask for help is much greater than the courage you need to ignore what's going on for you and also if you continue to ignore what's going on for you the likelihood is you're going to do yourself much more harm so you know if you're not quite ready for therapy that's fine but at least be as honest as just as honest as you can be with yourself in the meantime do some journaling look at what's going on in your life and and you know when you feel ready talk to someone about it whether it's a family member or a friend um and eventually you will feel in a place where you can say okay now I'm ready to get the help that I need all right what about those who are kind of ready to see a therapist but still scared what well, i know you believe in therapy so what would you tell them how would you advise them into seeing a therapist i think if you're scared of therapy that's fine you know just because it's therapy it doesn't mean that you don't have to be you don't have to be scared or you have to trust the person straight away like it's totally normal when you meet someone for the first time to be a bit frightened and to be a bit distrusting and to be a bit suspicious of them that's kind of just how we work as humans um so talk to the therapist about it um say you know I'm actually quite frightened to be here or you can say look I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust you or um being here makes me more anxious than I was beforehand and any skilled therapist will be able to work with that 
so just be again it's about being honest with yourself and if you are in therapy being honest with the therapist as well about how you're feeling about things um and they will be able they will be able to help you also remember that the therapist is on your side they're not you're not going in for a fight you're not going in to be criticized or judged you're going in to get you know to get someone on your team um so they they are there on your side standing by you um ready to fight for you um and sometimes what can happen when we're scared or we're not quite sure about therapy is that we think the therapist is kind of arguing with us or trying to prove that we're wrong about something and that's not usually the case usually it's just that they are questioning or challenging something that maybe has been going on that hasn't been very good for you so just keep in mind that they are always on your side <clears throat> that's so true because most of the time just like how when we talk our problems with friends and ask for advice or whatever sometimes it, it feels like oh you're, you're taking their side or you're, you're not doing what's right for me or mm-hmm. you <laughs> so that goes both ways but also i have a question right um yeah people there's certain people who have been in therapy uh 10 years, five, six, everybody's journey is different with therapy, just like how it is with medication. Um, Is there such a a thing as you've been in therapy for too long or when when do you know that you're you're ready to get out of therapy? Like, yeah, (laughs) that's another really great question. I think there comes a point where, yeah, you have to choose whether you want therapy in your life as a lifestyle choice. Um, or whether you've actually just had enough of being in therapy and I myself actually got to a point um, I'm actually in I'm actually seeing a therapist again now just because um, for a different reason just to work through some some other stuff but you know I got to a point last year I was like do you know what oh no it was this year actually I was like do you know what actually I think I don't, my default when I've got a problem is to go to therapy and I was like hang on a second like I actually I can do this on my own and that was quite monumentous for me having been in therapy for most of my life um, I was like do you know what I actually I don't think I need I don't think I need more therapy to help me deal with what's going on I think I actually just need to start to trust myself more so if you get to the point where you feel that like therapy is taking you away from being able to trust your own instincts and do what's best for you because also remember your therapist only sees you for an hour a week or an hour every other week or whatever your um, session frequency is so I think in short an answer to your question yes I think there does come a time where you've had too much therapy and it can kind of get in the way of personal relationships but then you just have to decide how you want to use it is it something that you want to keep in your life because you find that it's a good piece of self-care um, or is it something that you think actually I'm going to take everything that I've learned and I'm going to go out and live my life um, therapy free um, I'm not huge on having people in therapy for a very, very long time, although I do have some long, sort of long-standing clients. I think, you know, come in, do the work, get what you need, and then go out and live your life. And if you want to come back, come back. But don't get stuck or reliant or dependent on therapy as your as your saviour, because it's not. It can be a nice thing to do, but ultimately you have to do the work. True. So there can be such a thing as being addicted to therapy because there's some people you meet and every little decision or thing, they're like, I have to call my therapy. I have to talk to my therapy about it. Like, so there is such a thing as being addicted to therapy. 
Um, yeah, I would say dependent on therapy rather than addictive. But yes, it's, 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 yeah, it, it's a really interesting thing because in therapy, we sort of basically lots of people end up in therapy because they've had problems in relationships in some on some level. You know, they might be there because they're anxious or depressed or they've got an addiction or an eating disorder. But usually those things relate back to our relationships, either with ourselves or with other people. And our relationships are all about sort of and depend how we depend on each other and how we belong or feel like we don't belong with each other with our with our peer groups with our families etc so in therapy what happens is your therapist will sort of help you become dependent on them and then help you separate out so there should be a really healthy separation process but there is a phase in therapy for most people where they do become a bit sort of addicted or dependent and reliant on their therapist but it's a perfectly normal part of the process your therapist should help you in the long run to separate out and start to stand on your own two feet and be able to make your own decisions because therapy should give you the tools to be able to make those decisions. But you may have to, yes, check in with your therapist um, a couple of times when you are doing the work to make sure that you're on the li- on the on the right track. I guess um, that's where the the, the um, boundaries comes in to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what are your thoughts on medication? For um, I, I I really like I know I need to go to therapy and I need to see a therapy, but but that's on me for my own personal shit or whatever. But I, I have different views on uh, taking medication as healing your mental health. What are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on lots of things. It depends on the age, the depth of the issue, um, how long it's been going on for, what the issue is, but. For most people who don't have diagnosable mental health issues like bipolar or clinical depression um, or very, very high levels of anxiety or psychosis or schizophrenia or anything like that, mm-hmm. medication can be useful if you are not getting what you need from your therapy. So what the medication does, say someone's a little bit anxious and they're going to therapy but nothing's changing. Sometimes using medication for a period, short period of time um, can help you get a bit of space from the anxiety so that you can do the therapeutic work. And then the idea is you come off the medication to you know, learn to handle the anxiety yourself. But there are people with psychiatric disorders that they need therapy and they need medication. So I would, most of the time, I would say to people, let's try everything we can do um, in therapy or therapeutically speaking or holistically speaking before we try medication. Um, because once you're on medication, then that's a whole other, sort of it's a whole other, you, you'll have a, um, what they call it, psychiatrist, um, and you'll have someone kind of watching over your meds on a consistent basis. and. I think it's important to try everything you can um, unless you know categorically that there is, for example, a chemical imbalance or a psychiatric disorder that needs medication to um, keep you on a, on a, in, keep you balanced. Yeah, I think most my fear with medication is mostly being addicted to it or dependent on it. That's because I know some people once they get out of the medication, um, they slowly start getting back to how they were, and then now they have to take it again to to, to feel calm. Well, yeah, you have to. The medication is kind of it makes things a bit easier. Yes. So yeah, it depends um, how much hard work you want to do. Really, often when you come off the medication, you actually have to start working harder 
on managing your anxiety or managing the things that are going on for you, manage working with your trauma, processing whatever's happened, um, because you haven't got the medication as a cushion. So it depends, just depends which route you want to take. Yeah, true that, true that. Well, thank you for talking all therapy stuff with me. And um, you had your book just came out, right? On the 13th of May, it was on the shelves. It got on the shelves on the 13th of May, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 13th of May. Um, you can your get it on Amazon. Worker. Yes. Off the one. So talk to us a little bit about your mental health workout and uh, five-week program. <laughs> um, so basically, this what I was saying at the beginning, this is the sort of packaged up version of my attempt to make therapy and looking after your mental health accessible to everyone. Uh, there are things about self-esteem and boundaries and self-care and looking after ourselves and connecting with people um, that we just don't get taught in schools. We just don't, that information doesn't get given to us. So it's basically a five-week program for your mind, sort of the metaphor being that if you were doing a physical training exercise, you'd be doing these things too, but they'd be on your body. But these are things that you can do for your mind. And yes, it can be hard work. And sometimes people say to me, oh, workout, that sounds like hard work. Isn't therapy supposed <laughs> to be relaxing? And I'm like, nope, therapy is really hard work. Working on yourself is really difficult stuff. It really and is. Yeah, and the fact that we don't realize that means that we often give up really early on because it feels too hard. Um, but it is hard. It is hard. It's really hard work. So phrasing it as a workout and a program, I think, makes it slightly more accessible to people who don't want to be in therapy um, and don't want to be labelled with any kind of diagnosis or, um, you know, like any social anxiety or OCD or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's a five week, cut a long story short, five-week program to a healthier happier mind um and the metaphor it's all used with fitness metaphors and body metaphors to really help you understand that you can look after your mind the same way you can look after your body nice you um i'm, I'm excited um i'm gonna order my my copy because i'm still not uh, i am I, I feel like a therapy is important i i do know the importance of a therapy and i'm excited to check out your book um i've also gone to your website and i know you have a free download so you want to tell yeah. our listeners about those so they can... yeah so the, on the website you can get free like completely free of charge or anything um just the, like the headline mental health workouts so things that you can do to look after your mind on an ongoing basis and also there's some worksheets so checklists and planners and check-ins for your mental health and prompts for journaling and I'm building that library as I go so there'll be more and more of those as time goes on um, I, download, I, I downloaded mine so I'm excited yay <laughs> <laughs> all right now with that um what self-care tips do you have for people I don't know um what's your self-care and share some tips with us for those who love I I do Sunday self-care I tend to make Sunday either Sunday fun day or Sunday self-care. Now, Sunday fun day was when the world didn't close down and I would just go with <laughs> my girls and find a new restaurant, eat good food, drink some mimosas. That used to just calm me down, you know? Yeah. And when COVID happened and the world shut down, self-care became the thing. You stay at home and take care of yourself. So what are yours and what tips do you have for the people? So my, I think, two big tips around self-care at home is 
to make sure that you're checking in with yourself on a regular basis because you know one thing that COVID has done is it's taken away the opportunities to go and hang out with your friends and drink mimosas and do all of that stuff so we have to kind of look inside to do some of that work and I think checking in with your mental health with your thoughts and your feelings on a daily basis as regularly as possible is really good self-care not because you want to change it but just so that you are aware of what is happening for you and how to work with that and the other piece of self-care that I would offer that I do myself is um, doing gratitude lists each evening um, even when it feels difficult and even when you've got nothing you don't think there's anything to be grateful for um, making sure that you do that each evening because what that does is makes it makes you really aware of what you do have in life rather than focusing on what you don't have so those are my two top kind of daily self-care tips but I also enjoy like hot drinks and long baths and lions in the morning and spending time with my cats all, <laughs> all that right. kind of stuff <laughs> all right also um as we come to the end of our um uh, our, our discussion with therapy and mental health uh, what's the biggest challenge you have had with being a therapist like you've been a therapist for almost 10 years so what's your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it um good question <laughs> what's, been, what's been my biggest challenge hmm I think the thing that comes to mind is that in the so in the early days of being a therapist I probably cried most days because it was you know it's a lot it's it's a it's a hard job I believe you like yeah I I, I would too because listening to to everything and just I'm 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 an empathetic person I'm a cancer yeah (laughs) um yeah so I think I sort of like had to build some resilience and strength um around not taking on other people's stuff or worrying about people or thinking about things too um, intensely outside of work. Um, but I think that was that was a challenge. That kind of that kind of happened over time. And then I once I once had this supervisor. I went to a supervision session once. I mentioned supervision earlier. That's kind of the person that mm-hmm. oversees all your work. And she, I said, oh, you know, everything's going fine. It's kind of like it's a bit sort of boring they're all being a bit boring and she said oh well you're not working hard enough she was like you should never be bored in therapy and if if the client or the or the therapist is a bit is too relaxed in therapy it generally means you're actually not working hard enough so that that the idea that actually therapy is the place where both therapist and client can get really uncomfortable and learn from it was quite a big challenge as well that like I don't get to sort of sit back and let someone it's not it's not always just a listening game um sit back and relax and let someone talk about themselves actually I have to be really actively engaging and working hard and listening carefully um in order to help people otherwise the therapy isn't isn't as effective as it could be basically true well thank you for sharing that with us and thank you for joining us now with mental health be, uh, with may being mental health awareness month what's the best advice you could give anybody out there thinking about getting into therapy or just you know playing with the thought of therapy or wanting to become a therapist 
Um, the best advice: go and get yourself a copy of your mental health workout if you can. I don't yes. think it's available. I don't think it's available in the states yet. But you can, if you were to have a .co.uk Amazon account, you'd be able to get it. I think, or get the audiobook or get it on Kindle. Um, that'd be a really good piece of advice. But I think the best piece of advice is just to give yourself permission to try, and don't worry if it doesn't work out. You know, it doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It's just permission to try, permission to try and get your your needs and wants met. Um, yeah, I think that's the piece of advice. Give yourself permission to try. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Zoe. I appreciate you making this time and coming on Talk Shit with P and sharing all the therapy gems you have for us. Now, would you like to leave your contact information for anybody who wants to reach out to you or find out more about your book or get the free downloads? Yes. Where to go about? So my website is yourmentalhealthworkout.com and um, the Instagram is at yourmentalhealthworkout. They're probably the easiest ways to get hold of me or see the work that I'm doing. So yeah, I'll see you there. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Paula. Lovely to speak to you. Talk Shit with P is available on all platforms and social media with the handle at Talk Shit with P. Go ahead and follow us to stay connected and engage with me. And if you're feeling generous, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or support me by buying me coffee on buymeacoffee.com. Thank you for listening and remember, we are on every Friday.